0: You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, company culture coach and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create progressive company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations, thought leaders, and change makers about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. This season is sponsored by Semco Style UK. The Semco Style framework is a practical approach which helps organisations create a human-centred workplace and brings a proven method to enable you to shape how people experience work. Whether you're looking to transform your business for success, become more resilient to the challenges of an ever-changing world, or create a culture that delivers more engaged people, The Semco Style methodology can help you on your way. Are you ready to discover the tools to transform your organisation? Visit semcostyle.co.uk. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the final episode of Season 10. What a ride it has been! And I feel like we've covered so many different topics this season all of which I know that we can play with, whether it's planning an epic offsite, trying our hand at futures work, or joining a progressive work community. There has been plenty to take action on, and I feel a little bit bad that I've probably added to your long to-do list. So I do apologize, but hopefully all of the wisdom and knowledge that you've gained over this season has given you something to move forward with and really enlightened you as to the possibilities of work. And of course, it doesn't stop there. If there's a topic you would love for me to cover in season 11, which will come out in the autumn, please do reach out as I'm always eager to hear what you want to discover. I've of course got lots of different ideas in the back of my mind about what will shape season 11, as every season I always think is a bit like a, a, an individual book to me. It has its own feeling, it has its own vibe. There's always something practical to take away, but every season I like to imagine as its own standalone um, podcast that really helps us to think differently about how we do work. So, if there is a particular topic, do reach out before I start putting pen to paper and booking in all the guests for season 11. Because if there is something you would really like me to add in, I would love to hear from you. On this week's episode, I'm joined by co founders of Happy HQ and the hosts of the Culture Shock podcast, Janine Jacobs and Louisa Mordaunt. Today, we're talking about all things co-creation of culture and what gets in the way of businesses embracing a more people focused workplace and how we can go about creating workplaces where people can participate in shaping work rather than just being consumers of it. Something I love about Janine and Louise's approach is the fact they've tried and tested everything they do, which means they truly know how to help companies make those shifts. This is something you'll hear more about in our chat today, and I know will really help you on your way if you're currently looking to embark on a way to shape the future of work. So let's get started. Good morning, Janine and Louisa. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Make It Thrive podcast.
1: Oh, thank you for having us, Lizzie.
0: It feels so nice to be sharing the space with two other women in the culture space. I feel like we are seriously representing women in the arena right now. So uh, I'm very, yeah, honoured to have you with me today.
2: It takes group effort, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. We're in this
2: together.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And so I'd love for you guys, because I know you also have your Culture Shock podcast as well, um, I would love for you guys to share your journeys into this space.
1: Yeah. So yeah, thank you for having us here. It feels really nice after the hang-up of International Women's Day to be representing. Um, Yeah, I'll go first. So yeah, I'm Janine, and um, I I actually didn't start out my uh, journey in, in the culture realm. I started out in comms. So I did, I studied PR at university and then um, I went bang into this amazing um, work of world of agency life, um, lots of creative campaigns, ideas. It really suited me. I loved it. Um, I would say I was very much in that work hard, play hard space. I didn't think about the system, the structure anything like that. I was just head down, bum up, as we used to say. And, you know, that work took me to Sydney, it took me to Singapore. And I, you know, I was working with some amazing uh, teams of people globally um, on some global brands. And yeah, you know, I loved the disruptive element of working in agencies, but it really did open my thinking up to, wow, you know, because you work with so many different types of companies, that there's the real, there really is the the good, the bad and the ugly. And, uh, you know, lots of clients had that sort of command and control style leadership. And, you know, working in more of an agile agency land, I started to sort of think, well, what what's next for me, you know, what's next for me once I've had children, and I want to sort of have more flexibility. And at the time, I was working uh, in Singapore and started studying positive psychology. So, you know, all those aspects of human thriving like flow and strength and purpose and meaning and belonging and I started thinking why isn't there more of this in the workplace there should be more of this and at the time I was also having conversations with Louisa um, and the work that she's doing with I Love My Job and yeah our, our sort of worlds collided but I, I would say yeah for me it was like it wasn't you know I didn't I didn't. You know, when I was younger, I didn't think I'm going to become a culture coach or a culture consultant. It was sort of I had to, I think I had to have gone on that journey first to to come into that realization that once you want to become say a mum and you want greater flexibility and you start to really question you know your meaning and your purpose. For me, that's where I sort of reached a point of I need you know I, there needs to be real change here and and it's going to be hard to find a company that suits these needs. And then start to question, but why aren't more companies accommodating people in their needs more? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I came into culture um, from a different perspective. So more from the recruitment side of things. So after university, I worked in recruitment. I then went and worked in industry for a few years. And I was finding that I've always loved my job. And I was people around me when you get to your late 20s are like, oh, I hate my job, like Sundays, people will be down at the pub going, oh, let's call in sickies tomorrow, all the usual at that age. And I'm, I was sat there a bit like, well, why are so many people hating their job? Because it shouldn't be this way. And so I set up I Love My Job 13 years ago. it's uh, We've grown, we're based in central London. We're a team that are dedicated to finding people jobs they love. And with that, we can find people jobs they love, but we also need to educate companies on how to create the cultures that do create the jobs where people are loving working there, engaged, happy and stay there um, and progress. So I, Happy HQ, the, the company obviously run, co-found with Janine. What we do is really create the cultures that people love to work within. And that goes hand in hand with the recruitment side from where I've come from because we can find people jobs they love and then work with the companies that are educated on how to create those cultures. And then being a female founder myself, running a team, growing a company for the last 13 years, I've been able to produce and create a culture where people do love working there. And I know that because we have one-to-ones every two weeks. And the first question I ask, we even got a metric connected to It's like, how happy are you and how much are you loving your job at the moment? Mm. And That is just a simple way of starting a one-to-one. And it's because if even like seven and above is positive, if it's below seven, we need to do something about it. So, So that's kind of the route that I've come from. Amazing!
0: I love that you've both got such different experiences and you're coming at it from such unique ways as well and how that comes together of you know that experience of actually how can we be more agile and how can we be more flexible and create this culture but also actually you know how can we help people find these cultures as well and and make them better and like you say it's you're not just sort of preaching it you're actually practicing it (laughs) you guys are actually yeah
2: and I'm in a really fortunate position that me and Janina it was about nearly six years ago that we first came up with the idea of Happy HQ and so I've been able to benefit from I Love My Job because I'd be like oh let me try out a new process or let me try out a new initiative so even when we were launching our values workshop I was like oh I'll, I'll to be the guinea pig so it's um yeah so we've been very fortunate we're very very grateful that we've been able to
1: try and Mm. test a lot of the processes we couldn't have better guinea pigs basically the team is so on board and they're all you know they're part of all the change and it's been it's been great to see and witness actually they're sort of the ultimate case study for us
0: amazing i love that I know one thing that when we were kind of talking about how, what kind of, what possible topics could we talk about in this kind of realm of culture? Cause there's so many things going on and especially in the news at the moment. I mean, not a day goes by where uh, I'm thinking oh my goodness this is you know another topic though that we need to talk about whether it's you know International Women's Day that's just passed or something else that's happening in terms of some of the dreadful sackings that have been going on in sort of Silicon Valley and things like that there's seems to be constantly in the news at the moment about how the impact of culture is affecting us and I know we really wanted to speak about this idea about co-creation yeah and how we bring people together so in in your kind of way of looking at it, what is co creation for for our audience? How would you describe it to somebody who perhaps is is coming into this from a fresh perspective?
1: Yeah, so I think ultimately co creation to us is having a desire, uh, you know, a desire to learn from others and and to constantly earn and be open to new ideas and new ways of thinking. I think, you know, we talk a lot about the old traditional style of leadership, very hierarchical, everything comes from the top. I think nowadays. know the approach we have for happy hq is that you have to put people at the center of everything of all ideas and you have to bring them on board and you know get their trust and their buy-in people have amazing ideas you know and nobody knows a culture more than the people within it um so i think you know in terms of of a mindset i'd say probably growth well absolutely a growth mindset but also just open-mindedness and you're going to hear things that you might not want to hear, but that's okay because this is about progress over perfection. So, you know, I think, yeah, at, at the crux of it, it's it's working with people and knowing that they, allowing them to sort of have have ideas and have their say and, you know, where ideas, you know, spaces where ideas can flow more freely and people can have input.
2: Definitely. And with with the co-creation piece, Coming at it from a leadership side, with me having experience of that too, there's a lot of things I did that I think you think you're doing people a favor by. Oh, guys, I've got a great idea. Let's do this. Oh, and you think you think that's what people want as well because um, that's just the way it has been. So even like when I set up the company, I was like, right, let's do unlimited holiday because that you can't get better than that. And so that I didn't say to anybody as yes, we grew, does everybody want unlimited holiday? And actually, unlimited holiday ended up being so stressful because people were like, well, how many days are you going to take? And how many days are you going to take? And what is, is expected? And then we ended up taking less holiday because people didn't want to be seen to be taking the mickey. And I was like, does anybody want unlimited holiday? No, actually, no, I'd like to know how many days I'm in the, uh, how many days I can have off. I was like, right. OK, maybe I should have started with that two years ago, as opposed to just thinking I'm doing the best thing for everybody. And, and a lot of it comes from that. People's hearts are in the right place and they want to create the best culture, but they're designing it based on what they think, as opposed to this co creation piece. And that's what we're all about. You've got to ask people first.
1: Yeah. I mean, in essence, it's more about teamwork than working in, you know, siloed and making sure that everyone has a voice
0: definitely do you think as well it's I mean especially with your with your example there Louisa about this like you say everyone has the best intention to create a good workplace when you're a leader and when you're a a manager whatever kind of position you're within but it's really easy to default into that almost um kind of very parental way of being of like I just want to make everything lovely for everyone and um you know this kind of parental way of being and what do you think is kind of like the mindset shift that needs to happen there when we start to think about co-creation because some people might say oh but you know it's going to get messy if we try and make everyone happy um because they kind of immediately think that that's the assumption that when you say to people co-creation they immediately start to associate it with oh we have to make everyone happy and we have to get consensus so what's the shift that needs to happen what's the kind of the mindset shift in particular that you feel like needs to happen
2: well, you can't lead through like a consensus model if things are urgently need to be done. Like you can't ask everybody their opinion the whole time. It's like if there's a, if there's some kind of urgent matter, you can't be like, guys, what should we do? If a fire alarm goes off and there's a fire, you can't be like, right, I want to keep everyone happy. Do you want to? It's like, no, sometimes people need leadership and they need to be saying, right, this is what's happening. People need that that structure and that that guidance um you also need to know that in co-creation environments you're taking everybody's opinion into account but you also can't please everybody so mm. i think when it comes with a caveat of of we're going to take everybody and then we're going to do what's right for for the company and for the people then at least you've had your say but you can't then be expected that everybody's going to be get it 100% what they want. Also, only involving people in matters that, with co-creation, that are truly achievable. Mm -hmm. So we had a client that, obviously, the four-day week. There's a lot about the four-day week at the moment. And it's something that, in the future, a lot of companies do want to consider once their culture foundations are solid. Um, We had a client that just wanted to ask the company, if we were to do a four-day week, which days... But this is something they're planning for three, four, five years in advance. We have to say, do not use the co-creation model in this sense, because they're going to now think it's happening next week or next year. It's like only use and ask people their opinions on things that you can truly change and that you can actually base your decisions on their insight, not just in the future or
1: things that mm. actually have to come from leadership. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot in, it's a lot in the questioning and the way you're questioning people, you know, it's not, I'm not talking about, you know, free flow, everyone walking around like, yeah, yeah, everyone has it, you know, it's it's got to be done in an environment where, it's, you know, co-creation is culture at its best, but it has to be done in a way where you're giving everybody a voice. But at the same time, your leaders are sort of there thinking, I'm leading, I'm not leading you, I'm there to serve you. And, it, you know, I'm listening to everybody, I'm all ears. And, and like Lou said, you're not going to be able to please the 100%. And perhaps if they can't be pleased, perhaps that's not the right culture for them.
0: Yeah, mm. yeah absolutely. And like you say, I think it's really important, like you kind of referenced to there as well, Lou, about, you know, ask them questions where it actually is going to impact them. Like, you know, if... it. I think sometimes on the scale of co-creation we can either do absolutely none (laughs) or we can go a little bit too off the charts and kind of start creating a a, a way too much work for ourselves and for everyone as well because when when people start getting asked questions about things that have got nothing to do with their work or how they're working they're kind of like why are you asking me (laughs) it's got nothing like it doesn't this doesn't impact me so it's really hard I think sometimes to get that balance right maybe and like you say, kind of actually, what can you bring people into, where it will actually impact their work or something yeah. that they're yeah. they're participating in? I think that's so, so important. Well, I mean, I'd love to kind of pick up on that idea of the resistance as well of asking people what they want, because, like you say, that there, there is that fear of the discomfort of not pleasing people, and we're sometimes not very comfortable with people's discomfort so we can tend to avoid co-creation because it means we're going to have to you know deal with uncomfortable feelings or opinions what why do you think people resist you know co-creation is it because we're uncomfortable with that or is there more to it do you think
2: well i think there's a definitely an aspect of not wanting to right to know the truth a lot of the time um especially for leadership and, and founders, sometimes their brains so full and they're so busy running the day-to-day of the business that to take more insight and more information in is just too much for them. They'd like to just bury their head in the sand and just say, I've got to concentrate on the business making money and us recruiting these people. It's like whether I, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be able to please everyone. So there's an element of kind of wanting to not know the truth. Um, a lot of the time as well, if you don't have the resource in-house to actually action the co-creation request, like, what do you think of this? Sometimes going out and asking people their opinions and then not being able to have the, the brain capacity or time to actually action that, that can be even worse. So it's like knowing that I can ask people, but I don't know what I'm going to do with that insight or that data to then make positive change. Okay. Um, and then there's an aspect of just naivety, even with founders and leadership, that like say for the example, let's everybody coming back into the office. Um it's say some companies went fully remote and now you're coming back into the office. Some people are leaving and then they're not happy. The the there's the resistance for co-creation to say, right, let's let's decide what the policy is going to be the work from home, work from anywhere, work from office policy. A lot of the time, the resistance comes from, well, I know best, and I don't want to ask because I think I know that I've got the answers, um, and I've got not got even the time to ask people now. Yeah. So, but it's for us to educate what should be put out to people and what actually shouldn't. Mm. Mm. So yeah, in, in summary, really kind of the resistance comes from some people not wanting to know.
1: well some people I think are also just resistant generally to change aren't they and they might see co-creation as being feedback and that feedback not being so you know not what they want to hear so again it comes back to that growth mindset of you know of being willing to to be all ears and and know that maybe things the way things have been done are not maybe the best yeah for the future of work and they're not you know they're not creating healthy practices where people can thrive
2: and if people are are being resistant to come back into the office that's one example um and then are handing in their resignations usually that indicates you have got an issue with the culture there if people don't want to go into the office nor do they want to continue working for the business that's not just what people do because there's lots of companies that have gone back into the office or created a great policy for work from home, work from anywhere, people are staying working there. So, um, yeah, I think usually the indicators are there that you need to ask people how they're feeling, but it's whether you've got the space, the time, and the time for implementation in order to make that a worthwhile exercise.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's hard, isn't it, as well, because, like we said, with all the best intentions, sometimes you know like that brilliant example you you shared there about you know wanting to ask people you know what day of the week do we take off as a four-day work week we have the intention but then if people have been participating in co-creation and and nothing has really changed or it's kind of you know got lost along the way because of other incentives the team itself starts to kind of get disenfranchised with Mm co-creation in the first place and then we're trying to stimulate that all over again I mean what would you say to companies who are maybe like well we tried that but it doesn't work like what would you say to those who are feeling a little bit kind of out, out of belief you know not believing that this is the way forward because they've tried it and then it didn't work you know that kind of classic yeah, yeah.
1: you know uh I've actually been part of a leadership team where we've gone right we need to start asking people questions and seeing how you know how engaged they are and, it, and even knowing where to start and what kind of questions and then actually once you when you put questions out to people you're going to piss them off even more if you don't take action because they're thinking well I you know I, I put my heart out there and I gave you all that feedback and you asked me for all these great ideas and I was really excited by that and then we had this we workshopped them and then we presented them back and then it's like tumbleweed. There's nothing, so I think I think leaders have to, if they're going to be open to co-creation, they need to also be open to putting the work and putting the effort in to make the changes, you know, and that's and that's doing it in a way where you're saying to people. You know, you, we're listening to your ideas and we're, we're open, but then we'll have to roadmap them and, and we'll have to put things in place that are obtainable now. But then there's a shared vision and a shared future. And I think people are okay with being part of the progress and the process. You know, you don't have to change everything overnight, but it's, a, it's that education piece, isn't it? It's bringing people along and it's, it's, make, it's ensuring that, they're, that they've got their trust in you. And that you're not going to radically start to, to change things up, but you might start to just make tweaks here and here and there, just simple things and start to embed those changes, start to see positive impact, start to measure that and go again.
2: Yeah, and that's why we limit the amount of goals that we'll work on with our clients, because once you've got all the data in the inside back, a lot of clients are like, right, let's get going, go, 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 let's do 10, 15 goals. And we're like, no, we'll we'll map out six goals. But let's just take it slowly and let's work on one to three to start off with. Let's get traction on those, see the positive impact. And then it's just you can't do too many projects overnight. And even to implement a new policy or way of working takes time. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So it's about just taking
1: time and, and
2: not rushing it as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is why we you know started off with the culture model, because it's almost we need, you need a framework. Like, no... You know going back to being in a leadership team saying right we're going to start asking questions but what do you ask and it's like it's almost like there's too many ideas and too too much thinking and actually if you're working within a framework that you know is based on what people truly want from their place of work and what makes them happy and what what makes them more engaged and what makes them thrive then you're you're starting in, the, in a great place yeah as opposed to what again
2: what you think of the problems and just referencing when Janine mentioned the framework for anybody that doesn't know we've got we've got Happy HQ eight principles of culture so that took us years to come up with studying like evidence-based models we're studying case studies best practice and we've come up with the eight parts essentially of what culture includes so from like purpose to communication to leadership to connection to place like it's all there and that's the fundamental base of everything we do has to be based on that framework to ensure that we've got, we've got focus, because like you said, there's hundreds of different topics that are connected to culture. And if we can't segment that into a certain area, then it just can go off on a, on a tangent. So it's all about having structure to it to ensure that we're making that positive change
0: amazing yeah you, it's like you know i always say it's but like you know put, putting a dial in the sat nav you need to have know your location and you kind of need to know where yeah. you're going because otherwise you know when you start off on the journey there could be so many directions you could go off in and before yeah. you know it you're, you're off in the middle of nowhere and you're thinking what have we done and what have we created
2: yeah and in all aspects of companies if you go into the sales team. Everybody's got metrics. Everybody's got goals. You go to the finance team, they've got metrics, they've got goals. When you go over to the people and culture or the HR function, people track how many people are leaving or how much the agency spend is, which is all great and they should be um, measured. But it's very hard. We found the reason one of the reasons we set up the business is it's very hard to apply a metric system to a people function Yeah. and so that's why we created our model and our audit is because then you've got it in black and white what is your audit score at 200 because then we can say yeah you scored 70 percent on purpose you've got 32 percent on on belonging let's work on the things that we know based on the insight that you need to focus on as a priority instead of we think this should be it it's all based we're, we're geeks Steve down aren't we steve
0: all the best people are (laughs) we we love we love a
2: metric it comes with ideas it's not just scoring. every single part of the model comes with an open-ended question what one thing could your company do to increase your sense of belonging at work
1: and that's where that's where the magic comes But this is where, you know, and, and I always say that this is where my two worlds collide a lot because you wouldn't start, you know, a, a brand like Coca-Cola wouldn't just go, do you know what, let's just throw that brand campaign out there and let's like, you know, try and get our customers engaged that way without the insights and the research and the testing and the co-creation. And and so it, I think the exact same thing works for companies as well. Like you can't just throw initiatives out there that you haven't asked people if this is what they actually want because the same initiative won't always work from one company to the next. You know, there isn't a, you know, a formula or a one-stop shop, you know, it's just, it's basic, you know, sorry, there isn't a, a, a formula that works from one company to the next. It's just, you know, every company is unique, the same as its people. Definitely.
0: And it's, I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because sometimes, you know, Again, we might have a really good idea, you know, as a leadership team, or even you know within a HR department, like, oh, we really want to do something. For example, um, on International Women's Day, let's take that as an example, um, and we want to do this big initiative. And it's like, but have you kind of talked to people about whether that's something? You know, how do we approach that, and and things like that? I'll, I'll never forget. Um, asking somebody about one of their sort of diversity and inclusion um, campaigns and the way it was executed was so poor like badly done um that they were like actually as a person of color I actually felt more offended <laughs> than, yeah. than emboldened because they hadn't discussed this with people they'd just basically gone oh this is what what we think diversity and inclusion looks like in the workplace and this is like what we think this initiative should look like um and this particular individual was like, I've actually never been so offended. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. why are we not talking about these things to, with people who it impacts?
1: I yeah. think as well, there's a lot of culture washing, isn't there? So, you know, and that and, and that people are like, Oh, really? This is what it's like to work here, is it? <laughs> you know, this isn't this wouldn't be how I'd describe it, but fine. Yeah, yeah. and the International Women's Day example a
2: lot of companies are putting pictures up of all the women that work there and how much they respect them, but there's been a massive backlash. Right? I was in, like, from people, I've seen it on wow. LinkedIn, they asked me to be part of this campaign, but I've been in the same job for five years, I haven't had a pay review, I haven't got flexible working, but they're using me essentially as an asset tool to promote International Women's Day. You've got to be really careful, and that's, again, going back to co-creation. We want to do this campaign, You can't be shouting about females in your business if you're not treating females the way that they should be or, yeah, people that
0: are, yeah, women. Absolutely. I mean, we've spoken there about sort of some pretty bad examples of co-creation. And are there any really good examples? I mean, you know, case studies or even from brands that you've seen where you're like, this is a really good example that I wish more people would look at or, you know, something that you can share with people on on a positive example of... of... Oh, yeah, and
2: we're not negative. <laughs> we're, quite, we're called Happy HQ, we're not negative. But it's um, we've got a lot of work to do as well, so unfortunately... Yeah, there's, absolutely. There's more negativity out there than there is positivity. What do you think values, really, Janine,
1: do you think? I, yeah, if you don't mind, we'll use a Happy HQ example because this only, you know, we just had a, a workshop only two weeks ago and the way the way we set them up is we have a first uh session a working session where we it's more of an education piece this is for a company say that doesn't have any company values or at least they think they do and the founders know but they haven't ever um you know spoken about them they're not spoken about day to day they're not used to guide decisions they're not you know they're not not there to empower people and motivate people towards business goals so the way we run these sessions is we break out into teams And the teams are given tasks based on, you know, whether it might be coming up with a name of a culture. Um, This is all past a a brainstorm where we've talked about behaviours and, and, um, you know, really drawn it out of them of what makes them so unique. But then they're in different teams then working on one value each. And the ideas and the thinking and the initiatives and, the you know, there's questions in there like if this was going to... You know think big if this was going to rocket you to the moon and this value like what would an initiative look like and it's just bringing that value from just words to life and the presentations that the teams give it's just you know like we've you know we've done dozens of these but it's it just always reminds us of the power of people and giving people a voice and giving people that opportunity to co-create and seeing different people work from different departments and you know, seeing how that value might translate across different departments. It's not, you know, something that we could have developed for that company, or it's not something the leader should sit there and, and go, Do you know, this is what I'm just gonna, you know, I'm going to tell people now, this is how we're going to behave. And this is what what's going to guide us like, that thinking, it, you just can't put a price on it. And it's magical. Um, so yeah, I would, I'd i'd use that one and and it's you know to the point where we've we've worked with companies where we thought we're going to get a lot of resistance here there's um it's an events company there's a lot of um men in the room that uh you know they're out there and they're building rigs and stuff and this is a, a company that builds like real modular structures they're amazing amazing work they work with like you know f1 red bull wimbledon and they didn't have values and they had a lot of they had problems within the company where they felt like values would help them, um, you know, not work with clients, for instance, that, um, you know, weren't on their, you know, their wavelength. And the values that they come up with, one of them is called um, ordinary extraordinary is our ordinary. And they sent us photos of that team um, all with their backs to the camera and, and it written on a t-shirt because they were so proud of it because it felt like theirs that they now walk around with T-shirts when they're on on site and they, they use that in their vernacular and, and, you know, they use it every day. And I just, you know, I think, yeah, they're examples of where when you really bring that team along and they feel like they're part of it, then they have that real sense of pride. Yeah, and like Janine said, the values that the companies
2: come up with when they're working together, we couldn't come up with those. And all we're doing is facilitating what's inside their minds to bring it out in the way that they see that as a way that the company does value or behavior. And I Love My Jobs a live example of, I did company values about six years ago and I thought they were, they were amazing. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, we have got company values again, like most companies do. It's either like leadership teams, brand teams, marketing, get involved. Um, so that was there, they're on the website. And when we were talking about Happy HQ, Jenny was like, should we reinvent? I Love My Jobs Values. I was like, yeah, well, I think they're okay. Um, we can do them, but I probably know what's going to come out um, of the session. And that's really good that I went through that process with Janine because, again, sometimes it is seen as an exercise. Like we've got to have values done. And it's like that until you ask people internally, one of the questions on our audit are, what are your company values? And how often are you referring to those or thinking about those company values? We could have, in our discovery session, Discovered that they do have the values, but nobody in the company knows what they are, and that's the same for me. At I love my job. Was, these were are all based on on my personal values because I did them as the team like before we actually started hiring, um, and then as soon as Janine came to host the I Love My Job version, one of the values we've got is redefining standards, which always means there is a constant evolution just because we've done something, if we can do it better, we're not looking for perfection, but if we can evolve and, and have that constant improvement, then that's one of our core values. So it's like, right, how are you redefining standards? And as soon as somebody does something, and it's amazing, all on chat on Teams or in the office, it's like, you've redefined standards, girl. But it's like it's you, you, end, up just, you end up quoting them. It's yeah, like that yeah. is outstanding with pride, one of our values – Be outstanding, but do it with integrity so you're proud of the outcome. And especially in recruitment, everyone expects you not to have integrity and not to be proud of the outcome. You're just proud of the money on the board. So it's like, well, actually, we stand out because we're outstanding with pride. It's not just making as much money as quickly as possible. You've got to have that
1: integrity and that length of relationship. So it guides everything. Yeah, Yeah. and I guess when you compare that to a company that might have be really proud of a value, like I've worked somewhere where creativity was one of them. There was no explanation of that. I didn't know whether that meant, you know, paint a picture on a wall <laughs> or just, you know, think outside the box. And when I first sat down with that company on my first day, HR sat me down. The first thing I did was was had an introduction into timesheets. Wouldn't that have been so different if they'd have said these are our values and this is examples of our values in action and this is, you know, and it's and then you're you're in di- completely different territory then. And we're, not, we're never saying with values as well, it comes back to co-creation that like these are defined behaviors and this is actually, if you think more culture ad versus culture fit, then you're going to, you're going to hire people that are going to have a different take on that. And they're going to take it to another level. And that's how you reach your business goals. So yeah, you can tell Lizzie, we feel very, very passionate about values. <laughs> <laughs> we are. It's just, yeah. And that all, and
2: that, teamed with co-creation with we, we once a company has core values that are co-created that mean something to everybody sitting in that room that like we've seen the impact not just on the revenue of businesses we're working with on how they hire the engagement the development all aspects of culture are impacted when you've got meaningful core values that have come from a co-created route yeah oh my
0: gosh I love hearing your guys passion for it this is some great examples and it's just so like you say the it it's so powerful when you allow people to have the voice and to bring themselves into the the work and what's meaning for them and it makes it so much more purposeful than just kind of you know I suppose, executing someone else's values and not really having a connection to them. So, yeah.
1: Well, yeah. I, and if you... Oh, sorry, Lou. Well, I was just going to say... Surprise I, we haven't done that before, yeah? yeah. <laughs> One <So> of my <laughs>
2: clients sent us a WhatsApp, and you know those um, American flags that you see in sports halls that have got um, the name of championship yeah. flags? We were like, oh, we give people ideas about how you can then get these on the wall and off the wall. We thought, like, really nice vinyl or um, ply signs on the wall. They were like, no, we're going one step better. And they've ordered, like, these championship flags with their values on. And for us, when we talk about how passionate we are, it's not just that we've helped that client reach it. We know the lives that that's going to impact by them being, giving the people within that company the guidance to then do what they can do best at. It's, It's... yeah the power of having those values it's yeah it's great this a championship flag but it's how that will guide and help people in the long run that that really gets us kind of gives us that fulfillment yeah
0: yeah oh amazing
1: and i was just yeah i think yeah where that translates lizzie into you know co-create you i, I don't want companies anyone to listen to this thinking well we have our values and we're pretty happy with them so we're all set the the co creation piece there might be asking people, which is, is something we actually cover in the audit, asking people do they feel motivated by the values? Can they recall them? Yeah. And it's, it's making sure that they're actually living and breathing them. And if they're not, then they can be something that can be re looked at. That's what Airbnb, exactly what Airbnb did. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were told the the you know the most single piece of advice from their uh, one hundred and fifty million pounds of investment was, don't f up the culture. That's why we recorded a podcast about it. Um, and it, you know, they can be re-looked at, they can be reinvented and they can be relaunched so that they feel fresh and that and that people feel energized by them too. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you've definitely inspired me (laughs) and you've probably definitely inspired our audience. So what is something like you said there, Janine, that people can maybe test the waters with? Is it going back to their values? Do you think, is there any other kind of experiments that you would get people to try in co-creation to take something away from today's conversation?
1: Yeah, I would say just start by asking, just start by, by asking small things, you know, the amount of times that we see, uh, it always makes me laugh on LinkedIn when you see a, a you know a, a leader say, "Oh, has anyone got any ideas about um, this, that, and the other? or Has anyone done this? Or what does anyone think about?" It's like, why are you asking people that you're connected to on a social media platform instead of just asking within? <laughs> like, listen to what your people have to say. Let them feel part of it. Let them feel heard. Let them feel valued. Because if people don't feel heard and valued within the workplace, they're not gonna feel engaged they're not going to produce their best work and they're certainly not going to thrive
2: yeah and on your question about what's a practical way people could be doing this when we talk about co-creation again people assume you're going out to the whole company at the same time you don't need to if you're having one-to-ones with people start asking them just added one question it's like what one thing could we be doing as a business to increase your sense of like or to help you thrive at the moment or like with us how happy are you at the moment in your job why don't you add happiness as a metric to your company because usually it's like well yeah i feel okay it's like okay so what what's great and what could we do better at that's co-creation on a smaller scale it doesn't have to be this whole grand ask everybody just start just listening to people and asking them how they're feeling and what you could be doing better at and then actioning that yeah
0: absolutely that is some fantastic advice ladies thank you so much for that inspiration and the practicality as well like you say of of actually actioning this in in even those micro elements in the day-to-day rather than having to do these grand scale workshops every single time someone thinks of co-creation um that is absolutely so where else can we find you obviously you've got your culture shock podcast that people can tune into and um happy hq is there anything else that you'd like to let our audience know where to find you
1: so happyhq.co.uk is our website. And uh we're also active on in- Instagram, LinkedIn, um, not so much Twitter these days. <laughs> but yeah, Culture Shock podcast. We um yeah, we try to have we've done series one, so um we're very inspired by this being. Is it your tenth series, 10th season <laughs> yeah. I don't know how. <laughs> oh, I think we aged by about ten
2: years by doing one. <laughs> like, <laughs> how you go? Like, we, we yeah underestimate how much work goes. Into yeah, but it's great because you get make connections like this. It and, is, yeah. And that's what we're all we're we're doing together, isn't it? Like you said, coming together yeah. to change the world of work as we know it. There's a new world of work out there, and it's helping companies navigate that and helping people navigate that too. Yeah,
0: absolutely. No, I'm very very grateful for you both sharing your time with me today. So thank
1: you so much